0: By a short text f- taken from Philippians 4 Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received, or heard from me or seen in me put it into practice and the god of peace will be with you let's pray heavenly father we come to you with uh, gratitude you're asking us to uh, rejoice even when we are sad because uh, we cannot be all together this morning but we want to trust you we want to be with you and we want to follow you we ask that you increase our faith that you Increase our trust in you for the future. And Father, we present to you those who have been affected by this pandemic. We ask you that uh, you be with those who are suffering, those who have lost maybe a member of their family, we ask for your comfort. We ask that you be with those who have been marginalized, those who have maybe lost their job, who are in economical difficult situation we ask for your grace and your mercy and father we ask you that you grant us the peace that we need to look at the future with confidence knowing that you have everything in your hands. And we ask that you help us to grow in our faith, looking at the scripture, looking at the one that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And It's in his name that we pray. Amen.
1: As we continue in our worship, would you join me in your Bibles to John chapter 2. John chapter 2, and we're going to begin in verse 13. Now remember, we're in a study through the Gospel of John. The author is inviting you to come and investigate Jesus. He says specifically, he's writing this so that you will believe. Now, if you're already a believer, then John wants you to continue to, be, to believe and be established in your faith. So, follow along with me as I read. Our children can join us in their Follow Jesus Bible on page 1142. Here's the text. Hear the word of the Lord. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away, do not make my father's house a house of trade. And when, therefore, he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scriptures and the word that Jesus had spoken. Now, this is a great text, but I want to set the stage for you so that we can figure out why John, the author, is presenting this part of the narrative to us. Similar to the wedding story, there was symbolism there that his Jewish audience would have understood. And so I want to set the stage for you as we consider this passage. Most of you remember what the Passover meal is. The Israelites were enslaved in Egypt. For over 400 years, they were living under tyranny and oppression. And then God raised up Moses to come and to lead his people out of slavery. After nine plagues, the tenth plague was upon them, and God told his people to celebrate this new ceremony the Passover meal they were to take a pure lamb they weren't allowed to break any of its bones they had to slaughter it put its blood on the doorpost and on the mantle above their their door the lintel and then they were to be in the home eating the Passover prepared to exit now that's the first Passover meal that was celebrated, and every year from that point on, the people of God were to celebrate this sacred meal that presented to them the redemption of God through the sacrifice of this lamb. Now, you should already be connecting what the uh, gospel writer has been bringing up, that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So when you see the idea of Passover, make that connection with John the Baptist and with the author John's intent to help you see the purification ministry of Jesus Christ. But then we have the temple. The people of God have come out of Egypt, and God says to Moses, I want you to prepare a tabernacle, and I'm going to put my presence In that tabernacle and you remember that as the tent was moved from place to place that the presence of God during the day was a cloud and during the night was a pillar of fire and once the pillar of fire or the cloud stopped that's where they would set up the tabernacle underneath it putting it uh, positioning it just right so that the holiest of holies in that tabernacle was under that pillar so the, ta- the tabernacle, once the, uh, the people of God inhabit the land and have a king, King David decides he wants to build a house, a permanent residence for the Lord. It's kind of, ima- it's kind of fascinating to imagine that the tabernacle was still in existence during David's day. That's a very old tent. And David says, I want to put you, give you, God, a permanent residence in the nation." And God says to David, you're not the man to do that. But David's undeterred, and he provides all the supplies and gets everything ready so that his heir, Solomon, can build the temple. Now, that original temple was massive. It was ornate and beautiful. The temple that Jesus is ministering in right now was started by Herod, who was pacifying uh, the Jews that Rome was uh, overseeing and had conquered. It's not nearly as beautiful, but it is very significant in Jewish culture because the temple is where the Passover is celebrated. And you'll remember that when Israel was in exile, they could not celebrate the Passover. And so now out of exile, under Roman rule, this temple has been erected, and they are celebrating faithfully the Passover of God. So these are very interconnected word pictures, interconnected symbols of the Jewish faith, and just like any type in the Bible, they are a shadow that is cast by a reality. And the reality we're going to see in this text is none other than Jesus Christ. Both of these mediated the ministry of God to his people. The temple mediated the presence of God God was in the Holy of Holies. Once a year, the high priest could walk in and atone for the people of God, while the Passover meal mediated the atoning work of Christ on our behalf. So when the Jewish people rehearsed the Passover, they remembered the sacrifice that freed them, and they did it in the temple, which mediated the presence of God to them. Because God had put his presence there in the temple. This is very important. Because what's happening in the text is the idea of mediation. And the people of God have become very distracted by the media instead of the one that is uh, contained in that media, the one that media is about. So I think the lesson is come and see the one who mediates God to us. Come and see the one who mediates God to us. Now, let me just kind of build on what I've said already as I've set the stage. The temple is a place of mediation. Um, Passover, specifically, is is initially celebrated in the homes of the people of God. But once the tabernacle is established, Passover now must be celebrated at the tabernacle and ultimately at the temple. Uh, This is what Deuteronomy 16 says. 2 says, as Passover moves from being practiced in homes to being practiced at the place where the Lord will choose to make his name dwell. In fact, he says that more than once in that text. God is adamant that the private celebration of Passover has to move to the place where where God has put his presence in the building that is mediating the presence, that is bringing together heaven and earth, bringing together uh, God with his people, even though there was that thick curtain called the veil that separated them physically. That building mediated the presence of God. And so the temple was the place where God's presence is mediated for all believers. And I say all believers because the tables, In the text, the pigeons, the money changers, all these people, they were probably set up in the court of the Gentiles. Right now there's a mosque on that parcel of land. But in that, if you've ever been to Israel, it's very fascinating. It's the largest mosque, I think, in all the world. It's beautiful. But that court is where non-Jewish people could come and receive communion with God on the temple grounds, As the presence of God was mediated through the temple grounds, the non-Jewish people in the court of the Gentiles could be ministered to and could benefit from the ministry of the priests, of the singers, of everything that was happening. They could see the sacrifices that were being made. All of that was available to them. But what's happened is that these money changers and these merchants have set up in the court of the Gentiles, pushing them out. But the temple is where all believers can come and experience the presence of God. And the Passover conducted always in the presence of the Lord as a memorial of his grace and of his deliverance. So that's what's happening. The temple as as you're reading this, if you're a Jewish audience, you're reading this and you're thinking about the significance of both the tabernacle and the Passover. The temple ceremony, though, has eclipsed God. The pomp and circumstance, everything associated with these two media uh, media of the Passover meal and the temple, are being eclipsed by the media itself. God has been eclipsed. Passover had been transformed by Jewish teachers. This very simple ceremony that starts out in Exodus chapter 12 is radically changed at different periods throughout Jewish history. In one period they're responding to uh, anti-Jewish persecution and so they add things to the meal. And so the meal itself has been transformed with religious rites, with cleansing rites that had to be practiced before they could participate in addition to the ones that God had uh, originated. And so the meal has become, what you and I know, a much more complicated meal. Um, As the years have gone on, traditions and ceremony has been added to it. And the same thing has happened at the temple. The temple had been transformed by ceremony and tradition. And it's interesting to see how the scripture, how Jesus in his ministry, speaks to that transformation. In John chapter 2, in, in our text, when Jesus confronts these people, uh, the religious leaders come to him, and they say, hey, w- who gives you the right to do this? And Jesus says, well, tear down this, this temple, and I'll rebuild it in three years. And the Jewish leaders, you, you can see how they, by the, how they respond the kind of weight that they gave the temple. They said it took 46 years to build this temple. And you're going to rebuild it in three days now i don't know how my, how old or how long it took to build my home that i live in here in marietta i don't think it took 46 years in fact i think it took about two months probably maybe less depending on the crew and that's because it's not a very expensive home it's an older home and so if someone ever wanted to estimate the value of my home they might say, well, how long did it take? And I'll say, well, it took about a month. And It's not a very expensive home. But how much did the pink mansion over in Johns Creek cost? Well, that took years to build. And so by them saying this took 46 years, they're adding the value and the weight of the temple, which tells you a little bit about where their mind was. Their mind wasn't in the person at the temple but in the glory of the temple, and they missed the person that the temple was trying to mediate to them. The religious leaders were blind to the hindrances that the merchants had created, the hindrances to access. Now this continues in Jesus' ministry as he's talking to his disciples, and they're in the temple looking at the gold that's in the stone, and And they say, wow, look at all this gold. And Jesus says, yeah, someday is going to come soon where not a single stone is going to be standing. All this gold is going to be gone. Another disciple says, what a wonderful building. And Jesus says, "Uh, something greater than the temple is here. And so all this glory and beauty that the disciples and that the people were giving to this temple was eclipsing the person that that temple was there to mediate to them. And so as you read the story, uh, the traditions of the Passover eclipsed the meaning of the Passover. The washings, the preparations, everything that went into it eclipsed the meaning of the Passover to the people. And everything that was about the temple that they lauded, that they praised, that they thought was beautiful, eclipsed the person the temple was there to mediate to them. And so now they are blind. And we know they're blind to their ceremony and their traditions and the they're, they're on the mediator instead of on the one the mediator is bringing them into contact with. And then finally, Jesus is the true temple. And this is stunning. They're arguing about the mediation of the temple, not the person the temple was bringing them into contact with, not the person in the grace that the Passover meal reminded them of that came from God, they were caught up with the ceremony and with the building and Jesus makes this startling statement they come to him and they ask him you know similar to what John the uh, the, uh, the, uh, baptizer is asked on whose authority do you do this? why are you baptizing? who gave you the right to call us to cleansing? well they ask Jesus a very similar question what sign do you show for doing these things? it's a question of authority Who gave you the right to govern temple practice? Jesus responds really uniquely. He doesn't challenge them, he says, The temple is a type of me. Destroy this temple. And the Bible tells us that he's referring to his own body. His disciples pick up on what he's talking about, his death and resurrection, because he rose again on the third day. But understand, John has already brought us into this thought in John 1.14. No one has ever seen God. But Jesus, the Son of God, has tabernacled with us. So John has already, the author, has already been trying to point you to what the temple was a shadow of. And that's the Son of God who is also the Son of Man who brings us into relationship with God and mediates on our behalf. He is also the Passover Lamb who atones for our sin. And so Jesus, as John records this statement, he is drawing our attention to what the temple was actually about and the person who replaces the temple as the one who brings us into the presence of God. You know, this, I don't know if you, how, how much you've read your Bible, but in, uh, in the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews is really written to the Jewish people for one reason. How do you practice Judaism when the temple is destroyed? And the author goes through and says, you have a better priesthood. He says, you have a better covenant. He says, you have a a better messenger, a better prophet. I mean, he just goes through the list of everything that was required to practice the Jewish religion, and he says something better is here in the person of Christ. And what Jesus does in this text is beautiful and masterful to say, you guys are focused on the temple and you're focused on the ceremony and you've missed the person. I am the temple. I am the Passover. Destroy this temple, speaking about the temple of his own body. This is exactly what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 2. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave Himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Notice he he's the mediator; he's the one who brings us into the presence of God and facilitates our relationship with God, and he is our ransom, our Passover Lamb. Beautiful text. Some quick applications: What mediates God to you? Now, what's interesting is you might say, "Well, I'm not a Christian; I'm not a follower of Jesus." It doesn't matter. You are an image bearer of God, and you were created to be in relationship with him, and so there are things innate about your nature that makes you try and connect with God. You might call him your higher power, you might call him something else. The problem is, the challenge is, we focus on the mediator instead of on the one the mediator brings us into contact with. You see this in the book of Acts when Paul is speaking to the Ephesians and he talks about the temple to Artemis. What were they doing in that temple but trying to connect with deity or divinity through their pagan rituals? But we do that even though you might not be religious. You might do it through art. You might love to go to the Louvre or to the Metropolitan Art Museum in New York and purvey the beautiful artwork that's there and you feel a spiritual connection in that moment let me tell you something that art is meant to point you to the creator that art is showing you the beauty of the creator the glory of the creator but it can't bring you in touch with him it can't bring you in a relationship with him you might do it through nature and certainly scripture tells us nature declares the glory of god But you can't go into nature, and nature can't mediate God for you and bring you into a relationship with you, uh, with him. You can enjoy nature, and nature speaks of God, but only Jesus can bring you into relationship with God for communion and fellowship. And the challenge is that we all use something to mediate the presence of God. I've talked to Christians who say, I feel closest to God when and rarely is it the things that jesus provides for us even christians tend to worship the created thing instead of the creator we turn we're just like the people in the text we turn the the tools of, that are mediating the presence of god to us into the objects that we worship into the things that make us feel connected to god and make us feel spiritual Even being in worship at church can be one of those things, if we're not careful. And if that's true, then I would ask, what is your true religion? What is the true religion if it's focusing on the created thing and not the creator, who John the Evangelist has said is Jesus Christ? If your religion is focusing on the mediator that you're experiencing, art, health, exercise, that rush of endorphins that you get and you feel better and you feel connected to God or connected spiritually or whatever it is, maybe it's an addiction, you're equipped to receive the glory of the creator and to be in relationship with him, but too often, believer or non-believer, we turn to the mediator, we turn to the, the thing that we're leaning on and we worship that instead of letting it point us to a creator who Jesus can bring us in relationship with. So I want to encourage you to receive the mediation of Christ, just like John pointed to Jesus in John chapter 1 as the ladder that Jacob saw that connected earth with heaven. Now John is using the temple as an illustration. Jesus is that thing that brings us, that person that brings us in a relationship to God. And I want to encourage you to receive him. If you're interested in investigating him more with me, I'd be happy to send you a life issues book. You can email me. My email's on the website. And I would love to discuss with you what God has provided for you through Jesus Christ so that you don't have to walk into any temple. You can bow your head and pray and be in communion with God. You can open the word of God and pray and hear the voice of God through his word. You can experience the abiding presence of God, not in a temple, but in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Please write me, and if you're a Christian, I would encourage you to examine whether you're worshiping the mediated, the media instead of the one that is being presented to you. Let me pray for us. Father, give us your grace as we learn to live in the mediatory ministry and work of Jesus Christ, as we learn to be in communion with you through Jesus Christ. Father, as believers, there is never a time when we are out of relationship with you because we are in union with Christ who is your one and only Son. Give us that confidence as we move forward as the people of God. In Jesus' name, amen.